Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world, one small act at a time. This week on The Kindness Project, we talk about classic books, superheroes, and we have part one of our interview with Kamal. Welcome, welcome to The Kindness Project. I'm joined by a cat. A Carl, a Carl. I'm joined by oh, Jonathan oh. Livingston. <laughs> I'm joined by Jonathan Livingston Seiko, apparently. Oh, do you do you bit of Seiko impression? No. Oh, I'm joined by a cow <laughs> who has just been trying to force feed me blackcurrant. It's Charlotte Ames. And I'm joined by a man who's still complaining about his cup of coffee. It's not a great cup of coffee, to be honest. Then drink my blackcurrant. I'm, I'm all right, sir. Um, anyway, <laughs> quick question, and this is an unofficial um, question of the podcast. Uh, what classic books have you read, have you never read? And one classic book I have never read that's been on my list for years is Jonathan Livingston Steagall. Jonathan, it's too late, isn't it, to record this? Jonathan Livingston Seagull. Have you ever read that book? No. Apparently it's a classic. What book, classic book have you never read? Well, if you'll turn around and see the entire shelf... Those books are classic books I've never read. They include titles such as The Three Musketeers, uh, Gulliver's Travels. Uh, does that count as a classic? Yeah, Gulliver's Travels. Um, what's the one with the little people? Gulliver's Travels. No, the other one with the little people. <laughs> Gulliver's Travels too. No, <laughs> the, the Return of Gulliver's Travels. The other what? one with the little people and they live inside people's houses. The Borrowers. That's it. The Borrowers. That's the one. The Burrows. With the little people. Is that kind of his travels free, the Burrows, or not? <laughs> you know what? They should make some sequels of classic movies. Treasure Island 2. No, because they always come out worse. Oh, you know what would be good? Lord of the Flies 2. <laughs> no? We're no. not doing that? <laughs> Still sad. Frankenstein 2. Both of them are dead. How is that supposed to... The, they're the Frank Doctor Frankenstein's illegitimate son. This is the pitch for the movie for Frankenstein. His son. wife was murdered. Yeah, no, 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 no. Illegitimate son. She was murdered on their wedding night. Right, no, 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 no. You clearly haven't read the right, book. Right, right, okay. So, would so, you like to borrow my coffee? No, I'm all right. Let me, let me, let me just picture Frankenstein too. Doctor Frankenstein's illegitimate son. That he conceived before he got married. I'm just, I'm, I'm paddling here. Give me a chance. Um, uh, then becomes a doctor, so he's also Doctor Frankenstein, and finds his father's research notes, and then recreates Frankenstein's okay, monster. But no, he wouldn't, because Why? there was notes on what happened to both Frankenstein and his monster, made by a ship. Spoilers. Um. <laughs> spoiler. I, I love the fact that you've just done a spoiler alert for a book that's been around about 100 years. We, we, from, from both the captain who saw Dr. Frankenstein die. Right. And the same captain who saw Frankenstein run off into the icy abyss. Right. right. No, the monster. No, but, not Doctor. but no, right. This is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. Dr. Frankenstein, number one, must have written loads of notes as he was building Frankenstein's monster. Yeah. Where are those notes? 
I would have burned them if I was in. Nah, no, but it doesn't say in the book that he burned them, did, I? No. did he? So Frankenstein's illegitimate son that he had before <laughs> uh, before we got married, you know, he was a, he was a bit of a yeah, player. Yeah, yeah, even though he devoted his whole life to this one woman from a young age, yeah. No, 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 yeah. no, no. He wrote in the book that he did that. Maybe he didn't want to express... He the... Who wrote the book? It was him telling the captain the story, and then the captain... Wrote the book. Right, got ya. Right, but maybe he didn't want to tell the captain that when he was younger, Frankenstein was a bit of a player. Maybe that's the case. I don't know. Anyway, um, you're not buying the picture of Frankenstein too. Okay. No, okay. I read the first one. I know... Look, the... Lord of the Flies too. Another plane crashes on the island. We all have it this again. Piggy was tragic enough. No, but, but then Piggy's son, right? Piggy was a child when he died. He was still a player in his earlier days. <laughs> he was like 11. Oh, all right. Maybe, maybe that won't work. Piggy's cousin's um, son. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just trying to... You didn't even like let me, Lord of the Flies. Let me go find another book. Let's see if we can make a You didn't even like Lord of the Flies. I'm the one who enjoyed Lord of the Flies. Hold on, hold on. Right, here we go. It's your choice. We can either have Little House on the Prairie 2. I don't know what happens in that one. I don't know that one, but that looks a bit racist, so I'm not saying that one. Bedknobs and Broomsticks 2. Let's have that. <laughs> the Swiss Family Robinson. Part five, <laughs> Wizard of Oz. That's due a remake, uh, surely. Well, they, did, they, they made a musical that was a prequel, so... Yeah, maybe. Anyway, uh, unofficial question of the podcast. What um, uh, sequels or prequels of classic books would you like to say, see? You should have saved that for an actual question. I know, that is a good question, isn't it? Yeah, I might use it, a, I might use it sure. in a future week. But today's um, official question of the podcast, which um, we're, um, we're, yeah. we uh, took us a while to get to, and Charlotte now is cleaning up all the books that I've just taken off our bookshelf, is... Oh, nice. Um, Matt, um, uh, did we ask about running tracks? We did ask about running yeah, tracks, we did didn't we? So today's question is what is your favourite superhero slash supervillain? Uh, what's um, your, your favourite? Uh, I'm not a big hero person. Okay. Uh, what? I say that wearing my Marvel trousers. <laughs> so what, um, what, but, but what is your favourite superhero? My favourite superhero... Um, yeah, I don't know. How about villains? Uh, villains I quite like... Yeah, no... <laughs> No, no. I'm just really indecisive. I don't know. Okay. They're all pretty cool. Um, the Scarecrow. I like the Scarecrow. Not really a super villain, but I think I think DC has got better villains. They're and... not super villains. They're just yeah, Scarecrow's a... <laughs> Scarecrow's a bit of a super villain. Um, That's uh, just science. I I like anyone can do science. Sorry, have you created a gas that makes people hallucinate nightmares? <laughs> Have you not told me about it yet? Oh, well, we'll, 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 we'll quickly step over that actual fact. Um, but I'll tell, tell you what's interesting. I like the um, more nuanced villains and um, uh, what, heroes. Penguin? No, penguin, penguin is the worst villain ever, because what is he? He's so just, funny. He's just a penguin. So the one I like... He's just a man in a tailcoat. The one I like is Magneto. 
because he's got this really interesting Holocaust backstory, which is which is quite interesting. Oh, there's one of the well, there's a character. He's icy. He has ice powers and. Dutch phrase. That's him. He's good. Um, yeah. Uh, but also, I mean, my my favourite hero has just got a really nuanced story and and it's really uh it's really interesting and like sort of he's heroic but he's also he's also quite complicated that's why i love banana man um (laughs) (laughs) i was scared you were gonna say danger mouse for a minute what what i mean danger mouse would be an equally good choice wouldn't it um so yeah banana man is pretty good and on that note um, we are going to move on to the interview uh, we've got. Oh, no, sorry. Can you let our audience know where they can tell us who oh. their favourite superheroes slash supervillains yes. are? Um, so we have a Facebook, if you don't know this already. If you go to the search bar on Facebook, it, they keep shifting it around, but it'll be there. Uh, and you put the Kindness Project. Uh, I'm standing here typing pretend on my air keyboard. Um, then... It should pop up, and if you go to Twitch and you put at Ola Kindness, we should pop up. And if you go to the interweb and you put the Kindness Project into your Google Ask Jeeves search bar <laughs> thingy, um, then it should come up. And if it doesn't, we are at www.thekindnessproject.co.uk. And if you want to email us, we're at Ola at thekindnessproject.co.uk. Um, can I just mention one thing? And I realised this when. Uh your sister and my daughter did it the other day. Um, you can ask your smart speaker for the kindness project. So you can in your Amazon Ele- Amazon Alexa, is yes, that right? Amazon. In your Amazon Alexa, you can say, Alexa, can you please stop that alarm? Because it's really getting on my nerves. You can say that. But you can also say, please, can you tell me the recipe You've for got... a really good souffle? You can say that. It wouldn't that. answer because you didn't say Alexa at the start. This is like Simon Says, isn't it? Alexa. But what you can say is, Alexa, um, can you play the Kindness Project podcast? And it plays it, which is amazing. Oh, well, I was going for a high-impact high-five. I, high-impact high-five. As opposed to what? A low-impact high-five. Yeah, you can't hear that one. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Some about sound. Um, Let's move on to the interview today. We have got Kamal um, being interviewed today. Kamal is amazing at what she does. She, um, We have a really in-depth conversation about mental health, about su- the work she does supporting and educating children, um, and what she's learnt from studying positive psychology and coaching skills over the past couple of years, and what we can potentially learn to support... Uh, being kind to ourselves and happiness in our own life. Life. Life? Lives. Lives. Would you like to hear the interview? Yup. Hi, Kamal. Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Um, tell us a little bit, before we start, and before we start talking about the amazing work that Deep Black do, tell us a little bit about you. Um, okay, so I'm an ex-teacher, I okay. would say. Um, because that was my profession for 12 years. Um, Before that, I worked in industry for 19 years for BT, um, within a partnership with Concert as well. I took a redundancy, retrained, became a teacher, 
worked for 12 years. The final school that I was actually at was uh, Brentwood School in Essex. Okay. Um, and whilst I was there, I was head of PSHE, head of exams, and also teaching computing. I left the school to go and do my master's in applied positive psychology and coaching psychology. Um, and it, whilst I was doing that, I also set up my own business. Um, like you didn't have enough to do, right? Like I didn't have enough to do <laughs> the master's, yeah, absolutely. Um, and then I carried on working as a freelancer for Deep Black. Um, whilst I was also setting up the business and doing the masters, because they, the work that they've actually been doing has been amazing. Yeah. I've worked with them and I employed them to to do some work uh, for Brentwood School and the students within it. Um, so I knew what sort of work they did, and it was something I was really interested in. Okay, so tell tell me a little bit about that. What, is, what kind of work do Black do? So they work uh, creatively to resolve conflicts, and that can be conflicts within the person or externally with staff, with students themselves, um, with parents, and so on. So it's it's a non-profit, uh, sorry, not-for-profit organisation. Um, we work as a cooperative. I took on the role of director only recently in January. Okay. Um, they've been running since 2008. It was set up by two people. So talk to me about how that practically works. So Deep Black go in and run seminars? Or how does, it, how, how does, how does the format work? Okay, so Deep Black was set up um, basically to offer conflict resolution through creativity. Um, the directors at the time worked um, almost freely but now to be fair the work that they've done the work that we've actually continued to do we are now rec- uh, being recognized as, as being experts in our field yeah um we've won awards or deep black won awards i'm still not comfortable saying we although i should be um but the awards were won and it's a national health trust award so it's quite highly recognized by mental health teams and okay. the crisis teams within particularly harringay because that's that's where they're for their their work's focused moment. yeah 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 so um it's the unique approach holding um, and working with creativity and holding safety in the group, enabling that all of the group are able to speak openly and honestly about how they feel. Um, and really just just being able to look at conflict from different perspectives, looking at it and being honest enough to, to identify where the conflict is actually coming in. Okay. And what sort of so Deep Black would go into schools primarily? Um, currently it's schools. Um, we do work with a university in Germany as well okay. and we've been having talks with a university in the UK about our work. Amazing. And the, what are the size of the groups? Um, when you say the size of the groups are the student groups. Okay, so student groups we tend to keep to a maximum of 20, but depends on the different offerings that we have. Mm. So we do a whole school approach looking at the introduction to emotional resilience. Um, and that's literally looking at the key words. Um, anxiety, people confused with being anxious, 
So rather than saying I'm feeling anxious because there's something coming up, they say I'm suffering from anxiety. So they're almost labeling themselves with a particular issue rather than actually looking at, okay, this is not the correct language. What am I actually feeling? Where is that coming from? What's the it's need that I have? Yeah, I suppose it's the difference between a permanent state and a state that passes as well, isn't it? Yeah, you know, absolutely. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm suffering from anxiety seems quite permanent. Permanent, yeah, it's constant, it's always there. Whereas being anxious is, there are moments when I can feel I'm very anxious mm. and I have anxiety at that moment, but not all the time. Just help me understand. So, look, you, 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 so deep black focus on the area of, of um, managing conflict through creativity. Yeah. When a school approaches you to do a body of work, like yeah. when you were when you were doing the PHSE work, yeah. what made you approach deep black and say this would be really useful? Um, I'd actually attended a workshop in Haringey. Um, and one of the workshops that I signed up for was theirs, purely by chance, because I was very last minute. Um, and I saw the work that they did and the way they worked and used creativity, because it's very immersive, everyone sort of just takes part, it's very drama-based. Um, and the impact it had on me as an adult, where I was familiar with some of these terms, um, was, was quite huge. And I thought, I know how the kids will respond to this, how the children in the school would respond to this, and how we as staff could also start responding to the children and educating. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a whole school approach um, to learning about and working with emotions, looking at people don't realise when you behave in a particular way that there's something else going on underneath. Yeah, yeah. So I might be crying, but I might be crying from joy or I might be crying because I'm really sad or I might be crying because I can, you know, just cry. Mm, yeah, um, yeah. But it's that, it's that people have got that. their own stories and sometimes we don't recognise that, do yeah. we? And when you say a drama-based approach, does that involve role-play, does that...? It can involve role-play, but generally we tend to do um, group-based or couples, so two to three people in a group okay. to have a chat and then feedback to the group. So it's a, we, we create a safe environment for young people um, and adults because um, these are then offered across to parents, staff and the wider school community as well. Cool. Is that, is that, why is it important to have an entire school approach? Um, because if you provide just a singular lesson, session, um, it's not then embedded. If you embed it within the whole school, everyone knows what, what language to talk. Um, everyone knows which language is being used and how to actually approach certain feelings and emotions and behaviours. In a school, you have some very challenging behaviours. Um, and the child who's actually being naughty, who's being abusive, there's a reason for it. There's, a, there's an underlying cause as to what's making them feel that way. Um, it might be they're actually hungry. And this anger or emotion that we call hangry because we're angry because we're hungry, sometimes that sort of impacts. And the school that we're currently working with or the schools that we're currently working with are, are um, 
employing the um, breakfast clubs. So yeah. they're providing, or other charities have gone in and provided the free breakfast clubs for the students. Okay. And they're actually already noticing a change in some of the students who might not have eaten until the, since the previous day lunch. Gotcha, gotcha. So, and particularly within communities where there is a lot of poverty, there is a lot of uncertainty, there is a lot of, you know, other family and external issues. Um, you don't know what's causing those issues yeah. until you start talking and working with the young people and yeah. the whole community. So, give me an example then of like a deep black workshop. What what would what would happen in one of those workshops? Okay, so if we're talking about what would happen in a deep black workshop, um, one of the things that we tend to do is we co-facilitate. Uh, the co-facilitators have gone through extensive training and continue to go through extensive training in terms of managing conflict, having that difficult conversation with yourself, with others within the team, so that you are a cohesive team. Um, as a new member to this team, I can see how valuable it is to, to know yourself um, because if you know yourself, you can actually identify your trigger points. Um, and also, you can identify and help young people identify some of those trigger points for them. Not saying that they're going to be exactly the same, because each person's experience is their own. Yeah, so, so what, what might some of those trigger points be? Um, I know that I know they're different for everybody, yeah. but there there will be some commonalities. Be some commonalities, like. yeah. So, for example, one of the things that we had uh, in in one of the workshops, we were talking about the children. We're talking about teachers always picking on them. The teachers always remembering their name rather than anyone else's name. So I'm always the one that the teacher writes on the board. One of the things they had was they wrote the child's name if they were misbehaving on the board. Three times the name went on the board and they got one of the sanctions and they had levels of sanctions. Um, So these young people that have been referred to this space for us to actually work with, um, they said, yeah, but teachers always pick on us. If someone else is talking, they don't notice them. They'll only notice when we're talking. Having been an ex-teacher, my co-facilitator said, okay, would you like to listen to a teacher's point of view? Um, and so I gave my perspective and I said, okay, so imagine I'm, I'm preparing for this session, I'm preparing for a lesson. I do that every night before or in the morning if I have time, but generally it's, it's prepared. I know what I have to get through and particularly at GCSE, even Key Stage 3, I know what I have to get through because if you haven't gone through all of that, you're going to struggle to get to the next topic. Um, and imagine I'm spending at least an hour per lesson to plan it. I then have all the marking to do. And then I come into the lesson and find you talking, whispering. You might be talking about the work, but while I'm talking, it's quite distracting to hear other children talking or even whispering. Um, all of the work that I've done to plan has gone to waste because now I've got to manage behaviour rather than actually teach the subject. Right. Um, and yeah, there might be times when I don't particularly want to teach, but I still do it. Yeah. 
and I have to and this is one of the things that we're actually trying to sort of work with you to say okay what how do you want it at all what do you want but if you're not actually listening and you're not paying attention you can't understand what the next part of the lesson is and there's a certain sequence and there's a reason why teachers teach it in that order um, so if you're not listening or you're talking to someone else, you won't understand what I've just said. Therefore, the next part is difficult. You'll want me to repeat that. Throws the whole session out. And I think they they started understanding the teacher's perspective. Up yeah, there. yeah. It's I suppose it's about just <coughs> taking the time to understand somebody's perspective from their map of the world, from their background, from their upbringing, from their role in society. Um, And I don't think we do that enough. I think it's it's really interesting. (laughs) I remember having this conversation um, uh, about um, uh, just a mutual connection. And um, the person I was talking to wasn't too keen on this third party. Uh, because they felt that sometimes they were quite arrogant, and I didn't think they were. I just, I just, I think sometimes they're like we are all heroes of our own story, and sometimes we just don't like sort of think about what other people are, are, are sort of what's going on in their heads. Because my perspective on that individual is, I'd had a few conversations with him, and there were times when I thought he was a bit insecure. Funny enough, um, so so it was that I didn't know whether it was that arrogance that masked that potential insecurity. insecurity. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, taking the time to understand and listen to somebody else's perspective yeah. is is, um, is is really important. Sometimes I'm probably guilty of, of, of not doing enough. Um, so how, uh, how are Deep Black funded? How do you pay for your, for um, your, for your service? Okay, so currently one of the, the biggest funds that we have at the moment is um, with the Haringey Council, so we're commissioned by the councils. Um, Haringey at the moment is the one that we're, we're working with on a sort of um, the whole year basis. Um, and that's through the clinical commissioning group within the Mental Health Trust. Okay. So is that done via the NHS or is that, um, sort of, has, it, has it worked? So Haringey Council commissioned the work. They commissioned us yeah. to do the work, yes. Um, and, then, and then, but they've got a remit to improve mental remit. health. Yeah, yeah. Okay. absolutely. So they look after the mental health within the borough yeah. and they've commissioned us to go into schools to, to do this work. Mm-hmm. Um, what they also um, want us to do is, is to work with the mental health in schools teams um, to enable them to be able to use some of our creativity or to, to come up with creative ideas similar to what we're already doing and working within the schools that they're actually already in. Mm, okay. um, we also get um, funds through um, various organisations and charitable trusts, so we sort of go to those or they approach us, so we're not tied to Harringay Council. Yeah, We do fun. independently fund as well. Um, 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 talk to me about why it's important to use creativity to, to manage conflict well. Okay, so w- normally when we work, and particularly with the work that I've done with the young people, um, we work in lots of different ways and we have a whole host of offering within the, 
the school year, shall we say. And we work with different groups to identify and work with the conflicts that they've got. So um, one of the typical workshops that I've worked and run this year has been something called Calm One, where the students are referred in. Um, and we have a chance there to actually start looking at and exploring what are the conflicts, how is it actually arising for the young person, is it because they're withdrawn, is it anger, is it you know their behaviour within class, is it behaviour outside um, the school environment, is it lack of effort within lessons um, or outside of lessons. And what- I just want to get some clarity, just, yeah. from, just from my perspective. So the conflicts you're talking about are could potentially be conflicts with teachers or yeah. conflicts with other students, Absolutely. and that's why they're referred, potentially. Yeah. Or it could be an internal conflict that might be creating anger, that might be creating conflict. Yeah. Does it always come back to that internal conflict? Um, I think what we've, tried, what we've actually experienced, that there's a... There's a lot that we've not yet been able to understand about the young people. I mean, the, the, these young people are living in, in areas, have experienced, have witnessed things that yeah, we, no yeah. young child should. Um, there have been violent sort of issues within and around their schools. Some people, you know, literally are having to walk past it every single day yeah, yeah. and being reminded of it. Um, so you can see that the conflict is not necessarily with anyone else, but it's how do I manage this? How do I cope with, you know, walking past this yeah. every single morning on my way to work yeah, or yeah, on my yeah. way to school? Rather, yeah, yeah. How, how do I make it okay for me to still be able to do that? Because I can't move house. I haven't yeah. got that sort of money to move house. Yeah. Parents can't afford it. I, you know, I, yeah, yeah. I'm stuck. This is what I have to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How yeah. do I make it work for me? So a lot of the times, yes, I suppose it does come down to internal conflict. It's actually getting them to start understanding where the conflict's arising, what's causing it, and how to manage it and how to deal with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what are their, their needs? What are their unmet needs, more importantly? What is not being met for them? So gotcha. their sort of safety, security, yeah. understanding, the, the sense of respect, whether it's respect for themselves or respect from others. Yeah. What, what's going on and how do we actually manage it? How do we deal with it? How do we help them? It's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and what skills do you need as a facilitator to make sure that you sort of manage this? Because it's got to be quite a tough environment at times, right? <clears throat> yes, it is quite tough. Um, more, I think, in terms of, of emotionally, um, there have been times when you've, you've just been listening to the young people and you think, oh my God, you're what, 11, 12, 13? And you've already seen all of this stuff? Yeah. And you can't see any way out of it for them or for themselves. Um, so the skills that you, we feel are you know, essential because you can learn everything else. But the skills we feel are essential are non-judgmental. You, you can't judge anyone. You, you have to accept um, what they say as, as being honest. Um, you know, positive regard for them, no matter how they behave within the session. Um, you do have some students who come in and say, I don't know why I've been referred here, I'm just going to sit here. 
Um, and it takes time for them to build up that trust. So somebody who is actually really interested, genuinely interested in them, um, and, and just building up that trust really so that they can actually talk to you. Um, the, the session, particularly, as I said, with the Calm One sessions, for example, they go over six to eight weeks. They can go longer. And sometimes it takes the young person about week four, week five, before they trust you and start talking yeah. to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it's, yeah, it, it's heartbreaking. It, you, you just, I think as a mum, I just want to just sit there and give them a cuddle and sort of say it'll be all right, but I can't. Because I know that that's not going to fix anything for them. What I do have to do is give them some skills to, to help them um, build up that self-resilience, that self-confidence. And, you yeah. know, the, yes, okay, it's difficult now. Let me think about why it's difficult, what's going on, how can I deal with it, who do I talk to, where are the people that I need to And to help? a certain extent, learning from somebody about that needs that relationship of trust before that ever happens because you need to be a mentor don't you you can't just be somebody who's I suppose they've probably had experiences in their lives where they've been told what to do as opposed to being coached into thinking about life in a in a different way Yeah. yeah Yeah, and a lot of the times they've actually just been firefighting and they're not sure what they're firefighting against, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've just seen a situation, they've walked into a situation or something's just triggered them. Mm. How do you cope with being kind to yourself in those environments? Because hearing some some stuff that they might talk about, that the kids talk about might be quite tough, right? It is, um, but I think also at the time it's, it's, it's acknowledging that they've shared something so precious that they wouldn't, you know, share with any other stranger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it's it's that unconditional acceptance of them and, and knowing that whatever they're saying is, you know, powerful enough for us to actually start working with them. Yeah, yeah. And getting yeah. them to actually realise they've been through a lot there are times what they need to do and these are some of the coping mechanisms that they already have because some of them have already been living through this for the last four or five years um, and others are learning to deal with it and cope with it now um, what do you do how do you cope with it what you know who or where can they actually go to feel safe yeah but also how do you move forward I'd imagine is the, is the, is the key factor yeah and to be fair with those we don't necessarily get involved in terms of how to move forward we're looking at giving them strategies of of identifying okay what are my needs where is it coming from what, what you know yeah. giving them the time and the space to reflect as well yeah um, <clears throat> do you think there's a stigma in in mental health when it comes to schools and, and how and what would a what a deep black do to to help make sure there's not any more um okay so one of the key things that they actually did um in terms of deep black was um they worked with a particular school they were commissioned by the school um to provide a three-year program to help alleviate this stigma um, against mental health. What, and right. So, so, so let me take a step back. Yeah. What was the stigma? What was what was the perception that mental health wasn't important, or what? No, I, th- I think young people and also well, I think 
generally, if you actually listen to the reasons why people don't reach out for help, is because they don't want to be thought of as a nutcase. Yeah. Uh, and the, this is the word that a young person has said. We don't want to talk about this. We don't want to be seen as a nutcase. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What do you mean by that? And when you start exploring the reasons why they don't talk about it and, and how they're actually containing everything that they're containing, you're either going to blow or you're actually going to go ultra silent and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know, yeah. not do anything. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I mean, I think we've probably, as a society in general, we've moved forward massively over the yes. last few years about talking about mental health. But yeah. the interesting thing is, <clears throat> it's not generational. No. It's not, you know, we're all human. We all, we all have similar sort of issues. Um, and I think we need to, I mean, we do definitely need to, as a society, just be more open when it, when it comes to stuff like that. But- so that's the first part of Kamal's interview. We've got the second part next week, and I'm sure it will be insightful um, as the first bit. Yep. On that note, what is it? Tis the end of another podcast. Tis the end of another podcast. And we um, we all know... We, we should the get end... Tis the end shirts. Yeah, I know. The... I've been saying it for a while. No, you know what my next shirt is going to be? This too shall pass. Oh, I am going to... Why, why is that? Why is that? That is an amazing. Like these two shall pass on a t-shirt is going to be. I, I am going to get a amazing. tis the end t-shirt though. You're going to get what? I'm going to get a tis the end t-shirt. Okay, get a tis the end t-shirt. I, I like that. Um, and last week we asked um, our audience, uh, what should I uh, add to my running playlist? And we've got a bunch of different answers. Um, John Cook said. Yakety sacks, don't talk back. Do you know that song? No. Yeah, very old, but actually might be quite a good uh, running song. Uh, then Richard said, oh, you know what, I like running, but I've never, ever um, listened to music while I'm out running. Um, I'd get so bored. I, I, I like putting music up while I'm running. Um, Russ, uh, esteemed producer, said uh, Valhalla Calling. Now... I'm trying to work get my head around this because I listened to that song thinking should I add that to my playlist or not um, decided not to but you know what it is Sea Shanty and I'm high impact um, alright with the high fives um, but I, I'm not you're feeling Sea Shanties at the minute aren't you yeah I have one on my playlist I really like it's called Liar Okay, fair enough. So I haven't got into the new trend of uh, sea shanties at the minute, but I might do. Alison Hagen said, I've got a bunch of songs on my playlist. Songs by Moby, Foo Fighters, Faithless, uh, Rum Rig. Um, those big bagpipes really get you up a hill. What, are you running away from them or what? I mean, that's the only... That's why are you looking at me like that? That's rude. Sorry. <laughs> on what planet... Does anybody think that bagpipes are a good musical instrument? That's right. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll accept that. Some musical theatre, so yes. it's quite a mix. And Sam Chilton said, I use the Amazon Music CrossFit Workout playlist. Great for 10Ks. Anything more, I use Best of Dance or Chill Beats playlist on Amazon Music. I've managed to run four miles listening to the same song when I accidentally put repeat on. And I didn't realise I was 100 until I was 100 years from home. Yes! That was Scorpions Rock You Like a Hurricane. I don't know if I'm... 
Yes, I do know that song. That's a great song. Um, but then when... Uh, we do not know what happened there. Um... Yeah, so I've been in that position where I've um, been listening to the same song over and over because as long as you've got something on in the background, yeah. that's what you want. Hassan Vele said uh, his favourite is the soundtrack to Rocky Four. You know the one where Rocky Balboa no, singing. No. What? What were you going to say? Rocky Balboa did not single-handedly win the Cold War. Right, in that movie, he did win the Cold War. It, it, it is a historically inaccurate movie. <laughs> yes, Rocky IV what is a in, historically inaccurate movie. He didn't win the Cold War. Um, but it is a stone-cold 80s classic. I've never seen a Rocky film. Have you never? No. They're actually really amazing films. Um, uh, Eve Keith said, I've got so many on my playlist. Rock DJ by Robbie Williams. Actually, she, she wrote Robbie Williams. <laughs> um, I don't know who that bloke is. Eminem, Lose Yourself and Stamina. And Teenage Dirtbag, Wheatus. Uh, always makes me smile when I run. And then Caroline Thompson said, My playlist is a bit of Linkin Park, Kendrick Lamar, Guns N' Roses, Eminem, Usher... Food Fighters and anything that has a really good beat that pushes the boundaries. And on that note, um, that was our um, uh, marathon playlist recommendations from the people we know. Um, we'd love to hear more of your marathon playlist recommendations. Um, uh, please email in uh, in the usual way. And what I realised last week is you didn't do your joke of the week. Have you got it ready? No. Ah, so what are you going to do? Are you going to quickly Google it? Shall I feel? Phil, Phil, Phil. So just while Charlotte's finding her joke of the week, um, I'd like to just say thank you to uh, uh, all of our listeners because we are now over um, the 75,000 download um, mark. Um, and we appreciate every single one of you for listening in. Thank you for sticking with the Kindness Project um, and, um, yeah, just listening to it, to all the episodes. We really appreciate it. And on that note, Charlotte is going to finish with one of her amazing jokes. What did one wall say to the other wall? I'll meet you at the corner. <laughs> you can't, you can't roll your eyes. These are from the Dad Joke Project. Um... Yeah, okay. On that note, my friends, have a lovely week and we'll see you next week on The Kindness Project. Bye!